So we kind of took a little two-month break from studying the book of James. The book of James is a New Testament letter written by one of Jesus' little brothers. And James was a man of incredible, incredible credentials. He was the head elder of the first church in, in Jerusalem. Um, he was a pastor. He was Jesus' little brother. But in this letter, in this New Testament book, he doesn't, doesn't say any of those things. He just says, James, a servant of Jesus Christ. That's how he identifies himself. That's how he wants to be known, wants people to know what's most important to, to him. And what we've kind of covered, and I'm going to give like a real 50,000-foot view of what we've covered in the first three and a half chapters of James. James, is the, the things that he writes about and the points that he makes to his audience are very practical, action-oriented steps, things, things that we, we could do. And let's be really, really clear. Those are not things that we do to earn a place with Jesus. Those are things that flow out of us when we are with Jesus. That's why we're calling the series Vital Signs, because just like your health, there are certain indicators that you can look at to tell you how you're doing in terms of your health. These things that James talks about are indicators that can tell us how we're doing in terms of our, our spiritual health. And they flow from the inside out. James talks a lot about what we do with our thoughts and what we do with our heart and our feelings and how that translates into the way that we treat other people and the way that we do things and handle our actions and our behaviors. Okay, that's 50,000 feet, first three and a half chapters of James. We're gonna jump right in. We're at uh, James chapter three. <clears throat> We're gonna start with verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That was a big chunk of scripture with a lot in there, and it sounds like James is a little bit ticked off at the people that he's writing to, um, and, and he is a little bit. Most of the letter is James kind of like, come on, yay team, we can do this, but he's like, he's kind of dropping the hammer here a little bit, and we're going to dig into that and find out, find out why. A um, couple of words that jumped out at me when I was beginning to prepare for this that generated what I want our focus to be for this morning, and that's this. Wisdom is humility expressing itself in prayer. Prayer recognizes not only our need of God, 
but also God's ability and desire to meet those needs. Prayer is this amazing, amazing thing that not only recognizes our position before God, but recognizes God's ability to do something about it. So, as we're reading through that, it starts out with wisdom and humility, uh, envy and selfish, selfish ambition, and it lists all this, all this stuff, and I was trying to get my brain around it, and it kind of, it helped me to actually write it out. I'm not sure how visible that's going to be, but on the, on the one side is this life spent chasing after Jesus, and the things that come from that are wisdom and humility and everything else, peace and impartial and, and sincerity and mercy and all that good stuff. And then the other side is this life that kind of spent chasing after ourselves and after the world. And what comes from that is selfish ambition and envy and all this other stuff, murder and strife and um, just not pleasant, pleasant stuff. And it would be really easy to look at this passage and see these lists and be like, oh, okay, that's a list of things that I should and should and shouldn't do and just kind of make a, a checklist of it. But that would be to, to kind of miss the whole point of where, of where James is, is coming from in, in this letter. And remember that this is not, um, these are things that should flow out of a life with Jesus, right? Not earning, not earning a place, place with Jesus. So we want, to, um, we want to be conscious of them and we want to strive towards them. But we want to remember that it's Jesus in us and working through us that causes those things to happen. So that list, just like you know, when you go, to, you go to the doctor, you get your physical done, and he gives you numbers, your blood pressure and your cholesterol and your resting heart rate and all this other good stuff, those are all indicators of your physical health. Those lists are indicators of your, of your spiritual health. And just like it takes effort to move from sickness to wellness to fitness and your spiritual or your physical health, it takes effort and energy and intentionality to do the same in your spiritual life, in your relationship with the God, to move from sickness to wellness to, to spiritual, spiritual fitness. And that could be, um, the idea that could be daunting. Like, I don't know if any of you guys have, have gone for a doctor visit and come back and the doctor said, well, you need to make these changes or your health is going to continue to deteriorate. Like, that sounds like a lot of work. Um, so this could sound like a lot of work, but it's not, it's not meant to be overwhelming when we look at this from the, the, spiritual, the spiritual side of things. And I want to suggest you there's two reasons for that. Um, it's what God wants for you and who God is that makes the idea of, of this transformation of becoming these people who operate out of wisdom and humility and not uh, selfish ambition and envy that make this possible. So as we read through those verses, like I said, lots and lots of stuff in there. And if you, you go through the first time, you can miss a lot about what this passage says about God's character. And like I said, it, just, it could feel like a checklist of things that, oh man, here's another list of things that I have to do. But as you're reading this, these passages, you begin to realize a little bit more of who God is and what, what he wants for us. God wants to hear from you. God wants to provide for you as a vision for you. God, this passage is as harsh, like James was dropping a hammer on and these people. He's doing it in a way that's like, look, remember who it is that's asking these things of you. This is Jesus Christ. The people who, his original audience who were receiving this letter, 
they were alive when Jesus was alive. They saw Jesus walk around. They saw in person, lived out grace and mercy and forgiveness. They saw the extents that Jesus went to in both life and death for them. They experienced it firsthand. So as they're reading these things from James, like this, this kind of challenge, like you guys need to check yourselves. And, you know, when James says you ask, but you don't have because you ask with wrong motives, like, oh, yeah, that's right. God wants, wants to provide for me. Right? The implication is that is God wants to provide for me. And so as we look at that list, God wants to protect you. God wants to forgive you. God wants to bless you. Sometimes I think we can look at the Bible, we can look at Christianity and just feel like God is this cosmic buzzkill and just has this list of rules that we have to, we have to abide by or he's going to zap us with a lightning bolt. Nothing could be further from the truth. Right? If we want to disregard God and go do our own thing, he's going to let us do that and we're, we can deal with those consequences. But if we want to stand before God and recognize him for all that awesomeness that he is, I'm sorry, I keep pointing to that screen back there, all that awesomeness that he is, um, and, and recognize him, he, he will take us and lift us up. You know, some of the terminology in here talks about the blessing of God, and he lifts us up to the point of un, unparalleled opulence, right? That's talking about, uh, talking about heaven, but when it says God will lift us up, that's what it's talking about. Who God is and what he wants for us. Make this idea of, of coming before him and looking ourselves in the mirror and taking note of the things, of the behaviors, the actions, the words that need to change. Like, yeah, if I'm, if I'm trying to live my life with Jesus, that's not, those aren't the things that Jesus said. Those aren't the things that Jesus did. I need to, I need to do something about that. Could be one of the most important, if it moves. Bruce, can you get me to the next slide? There we go. Um, could be one of the most important, not only passages in this, verses in this passage, but in all of, all of Scripture. But he gives more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. If you are in a relationship with Jesus, it's because he called you. The only way any of us have access to that relationship is because of the perfect life and the innocent death and the triumphant resurrection of Jesus. He started it, and then he sustains it through the power of his Holy Spirit working in us and through us as we try to move along through life and as we become less and he becomes greater. It's only his power that allows us to do that. And as you read this, if these words seem harsh, yeah, they're, they're harsh and they're direct, but if God asks you to do something, if he asks you to change something, if he asks you to be real about something with him, he is gonna give you the power to do that. But he gives us more grace. There's that initial grace that calls us to him, that saves us for eternity, and then there's that grace, that daily grace that allows us to take those steps so we look, might look more and more like him as we, um, as we move along. So if we have this grace, this additional grace, like how do we, this is a process of transformation. We go from who we were to who God wants us to be, who God creates us to be. How do we, what do we do with the grace that's, that's offered to us? And this passage 
Um, James is really direct, uh, almost confrontational in the way that he lays it out. But what the essence of this is this, is where we started, right? Wisdom is humility expressing itself in prayer. The response to this harsh kind of call out is for us to come before God and pray, and specifically to pray prayers of confession. And I know some of you, I was raised Catholic, and when you hear that word, um, that might bring up bad memories, right? Um, this is kind of a, a funny story. In the Catholic Church, you, you, um, you make these sacraments along the way. And around the time you're like in third grade, you have to make your, um, your first penance, is what it was called back then. I'm not sure what they call it now. But it, you, it's the act of talking to a priest and letting him know, like, these are the things that, you know, where I've fallen short of, of what God wants for me. And my family was in the process. My dad got transferred from Connecticut out to Ohio. We were in the process of moving, and my class was going to be um, doing their, the ceremony, like, later in the year. But my mom thought it was really important that I, we get it done before we moved to Ohio. I had to find a new church and that kind of stuff. So I had to do this all by myself. We go to the, we go to the church, and we meet the, we meet the priest, and he's like, okay, come on, let's, let's go. And I'm like looking at my mom. And we go, there's like this little area um, in the back. And it looked like, in my, in my mind's eye, in my memory, it was like in some, I was in somebody's living room. Right? I thought in my head I was going to be in a little box and I wasn't going to have to like see anybody and I could just like talk to a wall and it wouldn't really be this deal. But I'm sitting like, you know, like here, like this, this close to the, to the priest and He's like, okay, well, what, what do you have to, to confess? And I'm thinking, I didn't know what to say. And I asked, like, I was talking to my mom before. I'm like, what am I supposed to say to this guy when he asked me? And she's like, I don't know. Tell him you're bullheaded. So that's what I, that's what I said. I'm like, <clears throat> but what's amusing about this is that because of where we were in the church, in this little living room area or whatever it was, my mom was sitting in the front row of pews. She could hear the whole thing. My first confession was heard by my family. Like, that's, that's a, a, a fantastic thing. And she loves, 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 loves to tell that story. It doesn't matter where we are or who we're with. But, um, so the idea, it could, bring, could stir up different memories, right? Maybe if, like, you don't have a church background and you're not familiar, like, you, that just, just might make you mad, right? What do you mean I have to confess? Who are you to tell me I did something wrong? And it's... I'm not asking you to, to confess to me. I'm asking you to confess to God. Right? When we, when we drop the ball, when we screw up, when we make a mistake, it's first and foremost against, against God. Um, it could be like a, just ambivalence. Like, great, that's good for you, Tom. I'm glad you feel like you can do that, but I don't, I don't need that. And for some of us, it could just be a feeling of comfort. Like, you mean there's somebody that can handle my junk? Like, I can tell somebody how I screwed up, and they're not going to hate me forever, and they're not going to be all disappointed in me, like, I knew it. Confession, confession between us and God is a, is a gift, and it's something that's supposed to encourage us in our faith. It's a way that we can access that grace that God has for us, that we can take that grace and we can put it to work in, in our lives. We recognize, when we confess, we recognize the things that we've done, we've fallen short of what God would have for us, 
and we recognize his ability, we recognize what Jesus did on the cross, we recognize his willingness, his willingness to, to forgive us. So we look at the verses. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, purify your hearts. All of this points to this, to this idea of, of confession. So just really practically speaking, if this isn't the um, kind of the mainline denominational between an individual and a priest, how is it then that we're, we're supposed to, what does the Bible say about how we can confess, what we can do with the weight of the sin, um, the, just the wrongdoings, the things that we know we've screwed up, what can we do with that? And I, I want to give you a couple just kind of practical things. First of all, if you're sitting there and you're like, well, what do I, like it just the question I asked my mom, what am I supposed to say? Bible tells us we should ask Jesus. Show me if there be anything wrong in the way that I'm, I'm walking and working and living and talking. We should do it regularly. Right? I screw up daily, so I should probably be confessing daily. I, I screw up more often than daily, so I should probably be confessing more often than that. Um, I, I'm going to, you know, we've been talking about leaning in and being vulnerable. I'm going to be a little vulnerable in my inner geek. My prayer journal is in Evernote. And I, it's like on my computer. And I just, as I was doing this, I, out of curiosity, I'm like, I wonder, I wonder how often I actually do um, confess. So I, I pulled up my prayer journal notebook and I searched the word forgive. And there's like 1,500 entries in a prayer journal. It's like, this thing is years and years old. Um, and there were 500, uh, 500 entries with the word, word forgive. So just... It's not perfect, but roughly every three days I'm confessing something. That's not regular enough, right? For me, I don't know about you guys, that's not nowhere near regular enough, regularly enough. When we confess, it should be specific. God has this unlimited, unlimited grace for us, and when we confess specifically, we can encounter that grace in really specific and nuanced ways, a lot of times when we, when we screw up and when we make a mistake and when we sin against God, there's something going on inside of us that causes that, right? And that grace from God can get into those places that we didn't think anybody could reach or would want to reach and can do a work there. Uh, just confess. As soon as you recognize that you, you've dropped the ball, just confess. And the, like if you're at work and in a meeting and something comes out of your mouth and you wish you could pull it back, confess it. Acknowledge it and don't wallow in it. God does not want to beat you up. God does not, you know, this is not about making you feel bad about yourself because you made a mistake. This is about being real. This is about fessing up and this is about moving on. And so I, I'm, the idea of confession leading to repentance, repentance is the idea that we wouldn't return to the things that we're confessing. And I'm just gonna say this about that. The best way to make sure you don't have to confess the same things over and over again is after you confess to God, tell somebody that you trust. Say, look, I'm struggling with this thing. I've confessed it, but I just want you, I want you to know about it. And then hopefully that person who loves you and who loves Jesus will not only you know, help keep you in check and remind, hey, how's that thing going? but they can also remind you of the forgiveness that Jesus has for you so you don't slip back into that wallowing in it and they can, 
they can speak words of grace and truth into your life so you don't get stuck in that, in that sin. Make sense? All right. When we confess, there's a couple things that happen. First and foremost, we're forgiven. First John 1 John 1.9. We receive mercy. Mercy is that kindness that God gives when we come before him and we recognize who we are and what we've done. And our sins are forgotten. Jesus took care of that on the cross. He did that work. And then the Bible talks about our sins being removed as far away from us as east is from the west. I'm not smart enough to figure out like, if that's ever possible, but it's just a really long, far, far way away. Forgiveness, mercy, and sins, sins are forgotten. So here's the, the end result of all this is that Jesus wants to lift you up. When we come before God and we confess, we say, Jesus, we need you. I need you. I need you to be the person that you created me to be. We need you, Jesus, to be the community that you created us to be. Jesus is for you. He loves you. He wants that eternal life to start here and now. Right? We make that initial confession before God and we say, I'm sorry. And then each day we recognize our need of him and we say sorry as we, as we move along. We confess. And as we do that, it frees us from the shame and the guilt of those things that we've done wrong. It frees us from having to keep secrets. You ever have a secret that just ate you up inside that you weren't able to tell somebody? It's miserable. It can lead to all kinds of mess. It can lead to depression. It can lead to fear, just not knowing when that secret's gonna come out. God is, he's, he, he's okay with hearing it. He's not okay with what you did, but he's more than okay with hearing it. He wants us to live these whole integrated lives. And when there's unconfessed sin in our lives, we can't do that. The sin gets in the way. It gets in between God and us, and it gets in the way of each other. Being real with God is not easy because it's not something that we're used to doing with each other. We have this opportunity from, remember that list, right? God wants to bless you. He wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. We have this perfect heavenly father that is saying, I know you screwed up. Let's talk about it. And now let's move on from it. So when we stop and we're smart enough, we, the wisdom of God is with us to be humble enough to pray, to say I'm sorry. We recognize 
we recognize our need before God and we recognize God's ability to do something about it. Wisdom is humility expressing itself in prayer, specifically prayers of confession. So we're gonna, um, we're gonna give us all an opportunity to do that right now. Just in the quietness of your mind, um, that we're gonna show, it's like a, a short meditative video. It's like a minute and 15 seconds. And then there's gonna be uh, a couple of pieces of scripture that go up there for about two minutes. So the whole thing's gonna take a little bit more than three minutes. And I just want you to be still and I want you to take this opportunity to do, to have a conversation with God, to be real with God. If there's a ball that you dropped, if there's a mistake that you made, something you said that you wish you hadn't, something that you wish you did, just be real with God. Let's pray together. Jesus, I do not pretend to understand how it works that your ultimate sacrifice for us um, cleanses us from our sins today as we stand here, but I know from my life with you that it's true and that you can lift those burdens and that you can make us feel new every morning. And that's my prayer for our family and my family here today this morning, Lord, that as we spend time with you this week and confess that your new mercies are new every morning and it's not just your grace, it's more grace. And as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And I just pray as we go out this week that um, that will be our heart and we know it's your heart, Lord, and we look forward to spending time with you. Pray these things in your name. Amen.